listening to the Wilkesbury Stratton Penguins podcast. The best place to break the ice with your favorite players. Penguins still onside. Wise trying to make up for that miscue, and then he turns it over to Ruschaw, pulls it back, shoots and scores! Austin Ruschaw! So get loud, get fired up, and get ready to rock with your host, Nick Hart. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of your Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins podcast. Our last episode before the All-Star break. We'll still have plenty more podcasts for you folks during the rest of this Penguin season, but my guest today for this episode, final up before the break, is Penguins forward Austin Rushoff. Rush, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How the heck are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Excited? You're pumped up? Got oh, yeah. the adrenaline running here, even after a, a hard practice here? Oh, yeah. Feeling good. Able to refuel with Chef Steve before hopping on the microphone. So, Roosh, I'll jump right out of the gate here. We were talking a little bit uh, prior to hitting record that the All-Star break is coming at a great time. It's been a busy month of January for the Penguins. 13 games in the books in the month of January and still two more here before the break. But... I'll ask you, what are your plans for the All-Star break? You got anything fun in store, or are you just going to be vegging out before uh, the call comes to come back to practice? No, yeah. Uh, me and my girlfriend got uh, an Airbnb up in the Poconos Ooh. for a couple of days there. Um, you know, it's got a nice little river, hot tub, bring the dog up there. So it'll be a nice little relaxing time. Nice little relaxing time. Almost a staycation, if you will, right nearby. Yeah, just an hour away. So not too bad. It'll be easy to get back. So there's no stress involved at all. You fired up? Oh, yeah. It'll be exciting. <laughs> I know um, weather not withholding and things like that. I know the Poconos are a popular uh, ski joint, given that we're in the middle of the season. I don't know how much skiing and snowboarding guys are even permitted to do, how much they want to roll a, roll a dice with that. Not but are, a, not are you a, a guy for the slopes anyway? Let's say you were you were not in season or something like that. Um, Last last year we actually went to um, uh, Stowe, Vermont, a couple guys okay. on my team in Hartford last year. And that was really gorgeous. And one of the guys was a – a snowboarder, so he went, but you know, a couple of guys, we had no idea what we were doing, so we didn't really do it. But it was it was gorgeous up there. So Vermont, kinda, yeah, kind of getting the same kind of vibe going to the Poconos, you know, just in the mountains. Got a nice little stream of water there, just to just to relax and not really get my mind off hockey for a few days. Always nice to just get a just get a moment of decompression uh, here and there. Chance to not have to worry about getting up early for practice, worried about meetings and. What walls you got to run through to beat the team on the next night or that night or something like that. I don't want you looking too far ahead because there's still some important points here for the Penguins to pick up before the break. But oh, yeah. I know I am just salivating <laughs> at the thought of being able to sleep in that Sunday right after that, that game in Lehigh Valley. Oh, my goodness. I'm dreaming about it. When I go to sleep, I'm thinking about sleeping. That's where I'm at at this uh, point. That would be nice get the blackout curtains out and just <sighs> not wake up. You have no idea. I'm going to wake up. No alarms. Turn all the clocks off. I might wake up at 3 p.m. for all I know. I do not care. That's <laughs> what I bad, need. It wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> no, it would It'd not. Do the same thing the next night. Do it again and again until it's uh, time to get the, the machinery going again for the stretch run, if you will, towards the Calder Cup playoffs. Oh. Um, wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here with, uh, with us here on the Penguins podcast is the last time I did an interview with you, it was way, way back at oh, the yeah. start of the season. It was that trip down to Charlotte. Uh, you scored the first goal of the season for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. All right. New face in the locker room. Let's talk to this guy a little bit. Fans can hear his voice, get to know this new guy. And now here we are several months later. And at the start of the season, 
everyone's still kind of feeling each other out. Everyone's geeked to get the season started, but the camaraderie is kind of just starting. Now here we are on the cusp of the All-Star break. How has your uh, adjustment to playing on a new team, wearing the black and gold, and being back in that locker room gone, given that uh, now you really know what your teammates are all about and who everyone is and how the the mix is back there in the room? How is it? It's good, yeah. I mean, everyone's coming from a different spot. I mean, you have a handful of guys that played last year here. but Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of new faces, and even during the season there's some change too. So, I mean, it's it's been great, you know. There's been no problems. It's been unbelievable. Guys are hanging out after practice, you know, getting the team together for stuff. We'll have a big Super Bowl party for Super Bowl, obviously. Oh, yeah. So it'll be – it's been great, you know, on the ice too. You know, things oh, yeah. are starting to roll a little bit too. So um, getting some chemistry, and that's always good. This team is gigantic too. Yeah. Like, I, I remember talking to you in the interview, and, like, you see the vitals. Like, all right, Austin Rushoff, six foot seven, whatever, doing the interview, staring up, and I'm just like, <laughs> holy smokes, this is a tall guy. But there was a shift – uh, I can't remember how many games ago it was, but just like line it because occasionally the lines will go through the blender throughout mm-hmm. the course of a yeah. game, especially if there's a lot of special teams. And it was like you, Z, and I think like Puya Yarvi ended up out there at the same time. Yeah. And I was like, look at these guys. You're usually, I, I'd imagine, growing up and playing pro, you're the big guy on the team or a big guy on a team. This this locker room is gigantic right now. How many times have you been able to stand in a room, sit in a room where so many guys are eye to eye with you? Not much. Um, I think the only time I ever had that happen was uh, my last year of junior hockey. I was playing with a guy who was like 6'8". Um, but since then, not not even close. And Z's like, I think me and Z are dead even on height. Yeah. Z, you got Kopi, you got, uh, well, you even throw the goalies in there with Helberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it coming in. It's just like, holy smokes, this team is gigantic out there. Pooley, play, he's 6'3", maybe 6'2", but he plays sometimes like he's 350 pounds with the oh, way yeah. he bullies guys around in front. That's got to be tough for the other clubs. they, they got to line up on that faceoff and look across and be like, what the heck is yeah, going on? Yeah, definitely got to be a more physical game. Play. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, but I wanted to kind of turn the clock back now to your origins here, Austin Rushoff, because you come to the club, you're, like I said before, you're looking at the vitals, you're studying players, and Wentzville, Missouri shows up as the hometown. I think you see M.O. on the birthplace's hometowns a little bit more than maybe you used to, say, 10, 12 years ago, but it's still, I'd say, an uncommon spot. You see all the time, Minnesota, Massachusetts, any Canadian province. Missouri, you don't see a lot of uh, Missouri products. So how did you get into hockey was it as simple as you watched the blues on tv and got hooked like what's your origin story man well uh you know none of none of my family members really played okay any sports at a very high level mm-hmm. i mean uh, you know a couple of them played hockey you know when they were young and i think my dad loved watching the blues and i think when you had me he just kind of th- was throwing me all in these sports and ho- i liked hockey the most and um played sports you know i played baseball you know, hockey, golf was a big one, and just really kinda, round out the resume. Yeah, yeah. you get to, you get to a point where it's just you got to choose one sport, and I chose hockey, and hockey kind of took off and got under a good, you know, got pretty good at it, and was on a AAA team, and then from there, it kind of just you know, you kind of just keep you keep going. You get under um, a lot of good wings with a lot of NHL players. Yeah, so a lot of NHL Blues players that were you know there for a couple of years were. Around those, um, and Al McGinnis was around us. Keith Kachuk was around us. Yeah. Jeff Brown, who played for a while, was around us all the time. So um, you learn a lot as a kid, too. So it definitely helps. 
So you say at some point you have to make a choice and mm-hmm. you make the commitment to hockey. What age does that decision come or did it come for you? I would say it kind of was an easy choice for me. Okay. I, mean, I feel like a lot of kids get it's an easy choice for them. You know, there's not a lot of – if there's some special kids that, you know, like some football players who are – Can really do it all, yeah. Really like play baseball and football at the same time. Yeah. But for us, it's it's easier for, you know, we're way better at hockey than we are at baseball. Uh-huh. You know, I knew I wasn't going to go pro in baseball. So. <laughs> um where hockey, yeah, it's just kind of, it was an easy choice for some kids. How old were you? Know, probably, I would say around seventh, sixth grade, around okay. that time. Yeah. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. That's when you know, when you're like, this yeah. is this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm good mm-hmm. at. Let's uh, let's see if we can make a run at things. It's kind of like my, my dad, too. Like, I was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to be a baseball player. <laughs> like, what position did you play? Or were you still young enough that they were uh, uh, Young enough where you're just rotating. Yeah. You know, play outfield, you pitch. Yeah. I was more of a catcher slash first baseman just okay with the length i can reach out for Co- first cover a lot of ground yeah wide uh perimeter of coverage mm-hmm. when did you sprout up because that's something i've learned uh, you know talking to a bunch of guys that have come through wilkes-barre scranton not every guy who's giant or big strong thick has always been that way there are guys that go through late growth spurts uh drew o'connor comes to mind where he was like 18 years old and still was like under six foot, weighed like 160 pounds or something like that. And it wasn't until he got juniors in college that he suddenly sprouted up. But have you always been the, the big guy in class? Yeah, so lucky for me, some of those guys have those growth spurts and sometimes, yeah. you know, they get joint problems and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, where it's just like awkward trying to figure out how to yeah, use their new body. Yeah, I was always kind of tall. I don't know if my dad was kind of like that too. My dad's six six, so okay, that's where I get my height from. But All right, I never, I was always tall, always continued to grow at a steady rate. So that kind of helped with, you know, I guess coordination and stuff. So that's always been a interesting fact, I guess. <laughs> interesting fact, lucky guy, I yeah. suppose. Lucky guy. Um, going back to to Missouri, you mentioned you know the the other uh, blues guys that were around the the Keith Kachucks, the Al McInneses. What was like the the youth hockey scene like when you were growing up in terms of opportunity to play in the real uh, boom, if you will? Because it f- feels like your birth years or the years around that is where you start to see more guys come out of Missouri and get pro opportunities. Yeah, I mean. I would say our, you know, the 97s, 99s, mm-hmm. 96s were, were 98s were huge in that area. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the big boom was for that year. Um, I know it's the what it was now, what it is now compared to when I was there yeah. was insane. There's There was only one AAA team and, you know. This was, was for you. This is for okay, me. Okay, One AAA yeah, yeah. team, you know, there would be other AA, you know, Central States guys, that yeah, were, you know, kind of just playing for fun, and tr- I felt like AAA was a lot, you know, guys are taking it serious, yeah. Um, but now there's like three AAA teams. There's a there's a hockey school now. Oh, um, kind of like Jack St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a prep school. Yeah, like they do school there. They do everything, and I mean, that wasn't even a thought when I was. Yeah, there. like I'm sure not not anybody had that thought there. So it, so even when you were playing, like you said, that, that kind of age group, you're getting a lot of really good players, but now it's like an unrecognizable landscape in terms of the growth of the game. Yeah, yeah. in a good way, too. Yeah. It's like there's so many more kids that are playing hockey, and I think the the big thing was the Blues winning the Cup, too, is you see all those kids, you know, feel that run, and you're like, damn, that was cool. What was that? That was 2019, 2019 right? So yeah. the season before – the world shut down, and we had to award the Stanley right Cup in the bubble. Yep. And you were still in college I then, was. right? Okay. That was my last year of college. So you were allowed to still get pretty geeked up with, with that Blues run, yeah. I assume? Yeah, that was, that was fun. So it was just 
just me and my six other roommates who couldn't care less. <laughs> they they didn't care, no. but you were dialed in. I was, invested. Dial, I was dialed in. That was an all time run. Yeah. All time run. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like during that season everyone was like, Wow, the blues, you know, they were in the dumpster, had to fire the head coach, and then they go on this run from January to winning game seven of the Stanley Cup final. And now here we are, I don't know, five years later. I feel like everyone's forgotten about it. How do we forget about a team that was dead last in the league standings that won the league championship? Yeah. You do not see this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of – it's it's weird how, like, coaches get fired and then you see teams going around like Edmonton's – You're, you're one, 16 yeah. games in a row and they get a new coach and it's it's crazy. Yeah, that's the thing too. And that kind of – you're one step ahead of me here on the questions. You played for Chris Knobloch um, – with, with the Hartford Wolfpack, whenever you, you started your pro career, joined the Wolfpack, so you know what he's all about. Um, and it is just insane how hockey is this sport where teams down, they can't figure out, nothing is going their way, and they just plug a new guy behind the bench and everything gets turned around. I know there's probably some strategic adjustments that gets thrown in there, but it really seems like sometimes teams just flip a switch. Yeah, for whatever reason. I, I think it's just the players get more relaxed. I think you know sometimes you play for a guy for a long time and you just you know you, you don't want to make a mistake. You know, but then you don't want to then you you know don't really make a play and you know they get a new guy and they're like, well, I got to show what I do. So. A, a little bit of edge comes back, a little just bit, a little yeah. bit, and sometimes that's a, all the separation you need, especially for a team like Edmonton with and, all the dang weapons they have. Yeah, and I can't really say because I've never been in that position where a new coach comes in mid-year. Mid-season, so, yeah. So I've never – I don't really know what it feels like, but, you know, if that was my guess, I'd – guys feel more relaxed and go out there and make more plays. I know you're invested in this team and the organization you're in now, but I imagine you got some warm, fuzzy feelings seeing Chris Knobloch, uh, the guy who coached you when you were a rookie, go up to the NHL and kind of have that instant success, right? Yeah, it's always good. Yeah, it's good to see him doing up there, doing really well. So, um you know, having them for three years really helped me grow as a player. So that's that's always nice to see. What's the biggest step you think you've taken since maybe day one with Hartford to where you are now today with Wilkesbury Scranton? I think speed. Getting, okay. Getting getting the my mind not just my feet and yeah, yeah, yeah fast, yeah. but like you know thinking the game faster too. I mean, going from college to here, I mean, you know, going to pro, it's it's a big hop, giant leap. Yeah. So it's just the speed of the game, making decisions quicker. You know. And then everything else will come as you, you know, kind of slow the game down in your head. It mm-hmm. gets better. I think that's the biggest thing. And the physicality, being more physical. In college, you're, it's hard to be super physical because there's so many penalties that come out of that. And yep. I was a taller guy, so if I hit somebody, it would normally be in their head and oh, yeah. I would get in trouble. So Or the, you, the, the classic penalty for, ah, you hit them too hard, yeah. so roughing, I guess. I think that's, yeah, it kind of sucks about college. But. <laughs> But, yeah, then them just kind of harping on, you know, got to be a little more physical, got to be more physical. And I've noticed that, you know, with physicality, you take a guy out of the play and then you beat him up the ice. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that they've that he kind of taught me on. And it's not so much, uh, you know, you got to lay this guy out and throw him into the third row. But like you said, just take him out of the play, yeah, slow him, him down. Yeah, give him a bump, you know, when you're for checking and you see a guy, you know, D moves it, you know, you don't have to crush him, but, you know, stop him in his tracks. Yeah. He's got to go all the way from zero to 100. Yeah, instead of a guy who starts the play and then he can just boom, take yeah. off, join the rush. Nope, you've now neutralized that option 
It's the little things that they're always talking about with guys who come out of college, come out of junior, what have you. Um, a lesson that you have taken, I see, in stride. Um, and whenever um, new guys get acquired by the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in particular, I'm always digging in. I'm trying to do as much research as I can on the different players beyond, you know, stat streaks, point streaks, things like that. Google News, Austin Rushoff, and see whatever the, the heck you can find. And in my research, in my travels on the, the search engines, I came across this old article by a comrade of mine, Alex Thomas of the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, and it was about you during your second season with the Wolfpack. The NHL reestablished the taxi squads. Um, if people remember the taxi squad days, remember that? Oh. Um, yeah. Guys suddenly got called up in droves just to kind of sit around in New York, and this is where you kind of broke out, at least offensively, with the Wolfpack. Increased role, starting putting uh, pucks in the net, picking up points, and just building confidence with every passing game, or at least that's how the article by my friend Alex Thomas went. When you look back on that period of time, when you're thrust into a bigger role, you end up leading the team's rookies pretty much across the board in every single category. Um what does it mean for a young player at that juncture to have something tangible that they can grab onto and be like, yes, you know, I'm doing well, I'm doing all right. Like, it, it's reflected in the work as well. Yeah, it's huge. Like, it, it, sometimes guys just need that break, and I was lucky enough to get that break mm -hmm. where, you know, guys go up and, you know, it's – in pro hockey, it's just the next man up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, fortunate enough, that was me, and I took advantage of it, and – it's huge with confidence too. So I mean, you see the puck go in the net. The net gets bigger um, for a period of time. So I, I think it was huge to show that I could definitely play in this league and maybe even the league above. So yeah, I think it's just you know everyone just needs an opportunity. Was it truly just as simple as hey these three four guys are up and now I have this opportunity, or could you kind of feel it coming at that point after you had kind of a I guess, half season under your belt with the pandemic season and then starting year two? Yeah, it, everyone always has that confidence. You always have that confidence because you, you had it. You got here for a reason. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I think that's just the thing. You, it's always there. You know it's there. You just got to find it. And some guys just find it in the most opportune times. And I got lucky enough that I found it in that time where, you know, I was going to get some playing time and um, kind of just ran with it from there. Confidence goes a long, long way. That is one of the biggest things that I have learned just chatting with players like you since I joined this club, how often whenever guys get on a hot streak or you know something like that, just my confidence went up and it just kept going, kept building from there. How important that, that one word is. How confident would you say you are in, I don't know, public speaking? Not very confident. Not very confident. You don't think you're a guy that could go on stage, give like a PowerPoint presentation or anything like that? No, um, not at all. I actually, uh, in college, took a course on it. Oh, like a public speaking class? Like, uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like a public speaking class. It was more of, I can't even remember the class. It's been so long. <laughs> um, it was something along the lines of, uh, I can't even think of it. It wasn't a public speaking class, but we had to do a, pres a presentation to do pre as yeah. part of the course. You would do presentations in front of the class, and I would get up there and be like, I could play in front of 10,000 people, uh, yeah, but I can't even talk to these 15 people in front of me. Why not? What, what do you think is holding you back? I don't know what it is. I don't. Is it just being in front of a crowd? I think it's just the nervousness of, like, you don't do it a lot. We don't do it a lot. Uh-huh. So it's either we're doing interviews like this, where yeah. it's just me and you. One-on-one. -on -one. And then, you know other interviews with like tv and stuff but like 
when you're doing it and you actually see the people, yeah, I think it's like, man, if I mess up, I can see someone's reaction if they know I messed up or something like that. Oh, That's and you feel like you're losing the crowd if you're like losing pace or something like that. And you then say your brain, the wrong thing. And then your brain goes to that. And now then you you're don't second guessing you're yourself. Yeah, it becomes a spiral. Well, good news for you, Roosh. The American Hockey League is a developmental league, <laughs> and you can start to sharpen these skills right here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. There it so. Is. This is a recurring segment that we've introduced this season. Everyone we've had on previously, all of your teammates, they've had to go through this trial by fire. You're the next in line. This is something called Welcome to My TED Talk. Roosh, you familiar with TED Talks? Yes. Okay, yes. I always have to double check just to make sure. But for those of you listening out there, maybe this is your first episode you're listening to, TED Talks, they get some sort of expert, a college professor or a well-versed surgeon, someone who's an expert in a certain field, and they will give you a speech based on something they've studied, something they've looked into, where it kind of, I don't want to say warps your perception of reality, but can alter the way you view a certain thing, trend, uh, behavioral pattern, your emotions, things like that, you know, and it's usually big brain stuff, big concept stuff. Well, for welcome to my TED Talk, we don't do the big brain stuff necessarily, but if you don't mind grabbing that hockey helmet right there, there are a bunch of prompts inside this helmet, oh Roosh, prompts that you have never seen before. You are going to pull out two of these prompts. Look at them both, observe them closely, get your mind churning. You will pick one of the prompts and give us an unscripted, off-the-cuff TED Talk on one of these subjects as if you were a well-studied, well-versed expert, okay? <laughs> now, hold on. If you don't like the two that you pick out, you're like, oh, boy, I'm really up a creek here, you can pull out a third, but that one's do or die. You are locked <laughs> into the third prompt that you pull out. So All I right. see you're ready to go. Oh, yeah. Pull out two, and we'll see what uh, kind of TED Talk Austin Rushoff is giving us. All right. All right. What are your two prompts, sir? We got folding laundry. Folding laundry. Oh, boy. Or, the best way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. All right. Seemingly monotonous tasks. Hmm. And we leave these somewhat open-ended. Well, so you are willing honest. to travel any way you go on these. i got to be honest. My girlfriend folds my laundry. So okay. I you don't think you'll it, be throwing that out? I'll be throwing that one out probably. Do you feel confidently enough to give a speech on not just a way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but the best way to create your PB&J? Or are we going for three? I can do this. You feel confident? Can I see what three would have been? Um, Let's do it after. Well, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to no. tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because, ah, uh, you know what? Screw it. Let's have some fun later. Okay. And it'll be a sneak preview I'll, we'll for later. We'll I was going to say because the helmet stays the same for the guests thereafter. But you know what? Maybe that'll be a little preview for people. What's still lurking I won't in the helmet for later. Ah, uh, no. Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. But let's do your TED Talk first. Okay. So, ladies okay. and gentlemen, this is a TED Talk by Austin Rushoff. All right. Hi, I'm Austin Ruschoff. For years, people have asked questions on what is the best way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, I'm here to tell you. First off, many people probably don't toast their bread before making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but I like putting, toasting your bread before the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And a lot of people like to use normal peanut butter. I like to use the chunky peanut butter. Gives it a little extra crunch along with the burnt toast. Jelly, you can use any type of jelly you want. There's no certain jelly anybody wants, but I like strawberry. And I think the best way is to put on one toast the crunchy peanut butter 
and the other toast, the jelly, and then you combine it. And it's your preference to cut it in the triangle or you can eat it whole as you want. Doesn't matter. So, thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED Talk. Excuse me, sir, sir, Mr. Rushoff. Yes. Excuse me, sir. Uh, question uh, from the peanut gallery here. You mentioned you have you want to get a crunch with your peanut butter, and you also get the added crunch of toasting the bread. A, a a real veteran move, I should say. How much does texture factor in to a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Is this an overlooked thing that that people need to to discuss? I think more? it is. I think it is. I think texture is a huge thing with is a huge thing with food anyway. Some people don't like texture, so I guess some people wouldn't like the extra crunch, but I do. It makes it feel like a like a full meal, even though it's just a little, I would call a peanut butter and jelly sandwich a snack, I guess. A snack. But you're saying if you get the crunch, now it's a little bit more hearty. You feel like you're having a meal. It can hold yeah. you over until later. Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. Is there a, is there a science that, that, that goes into this when you say any jelly you like? No. <laughs> even, even, even if I want like an apricot you can have j- that. jam. That's that's fine. I, but, I but just think the crunchy peanut butter is better. Than the, the most important thing in your eyes is crunchy PB toasted bread. I think, yeah. I'll probably get a lot of heat for that. But Here's the thing, Roosh. I don't think you will. Maybe, think so, maybe there is somebody out there. What was your ratio? Did I miss that? What's your ratio? Because you said uh, on each side of the bread. I just said on each side. I think you can. Depends on what. It depends on how hungry you are. Oh, okay. So you can really load it up, or if you're, like you say, the, quick I snack. Think, I think the crunch, or you toasting the bread makes it not, like, you know how, like, peanut butter gets stuck on the roof of your mouth? Yeah. When you, you think toast the, it, the toast kind of helps, it helps hold it, that at bay. Yeah, it helps it not get stuck on the top of your mouth. See, there's some science. A little There's bit, some yeah. science there. Yeah, there's there's some trial and error going on here from your own personal experience. I am a big, crunchy PB guy. Sign me up. Put me firmly on Team Crunchy PB. Mm-hmm. Lock me in, right? Oh, yeah. Jelly. I'm a grape jelly guy, but it's got to be Crunchy PB. I have not done the toast move. Now, you try it. sometimes for like a quick breakfast or a, a quick, snack, quick snack or something, no, like I'll get a piece of peanut butter toast. Toast the bread, put a little peanut butter on it. All right, I'm on the move. Let's keep going. Haven't It has never crossed my mind for a second to do it for the PB and J sandwich. That is outside the box thinking, my friend, that you said you might get heat for. I think you had a lot of people who just go, oh, oh, toasted bread on the PB and J. Is that is that something you have discovered in your travels or is that something like mom would make it that way whenever you were growing up or something and now you're just a toasted PB and J guy? No, I see some guys like pregame make toast with peanut butter. And I was like, one time, I was like, oh, what if I do this? And then... So this isn't an Austin Ruschoff signature. You've seen other people do this. And well, you're I've like, seen, this is the play. I've seen them do the toast and then just the peanut butter. Right. But okay. then I was like, like, oh, me. I like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before, like when I show up to the rink sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I do this, maybe it'll be really good. And it was stellar. And, and now it is part of the routine. I, it has never crossed my mind once to toast the bread on a PB&J. Maybe I'm a loser. Maybe there's people listening right now like, of course you toast the bread on a PB&J. And I'm just outside the loop. But that is um, good info, good tips right there. I like that a lot. 
Do you feel like you you've gotten a little bit more uh, comfortable with public speaking? A little bit. Too? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Maybe maybe next time we'll get like a, a group of maybe just like five six people to hear you talk about I don't know how to peel a shrimp instead of make a PB and J. I don't even know how to peel a shrimp. <laughs> I, I don't either. I I just like the final product. That's what I do. That's, exactly That's what I right. enjoy. I leave it up to Steve. Leave it up to Steve. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, take care of it. You peel the shrimps, you and Chef Pat, and uh, we will reap the rewards of oh, your yeah. hard work for sure. Shout out Chef Steve, early pens pick here, the reheat and eat meal service you can order on the Penguins website. That's turned into a free plug. Always got to give Chef Steve the Always. shout out. You can eat like the players eat. That's like the tagline we did for the commercial. Yeah. Oh, oh that's right. We forgot to do the, the oh, third yeah, one. Oh, yeah, the third one. So, so if... In a hypothetical scenario, you were to have chosen a third one, and this can be a preview for the future. Fans might know this is lurking in the waters of the helmet. You would have been locked into and had to give a TED Talk on. Blowing your nose in public. Mm. I'm glad I did not go. Glad I did not go that route. Well, that is going back in the helmet. Those two, leave them out if you don't mind. Because should I give another sneak preview, or should I keep my plans to myself? What do you mean? You want me to pull another one? No, no, no. Because... The rejected options, oh. the, the ones that guys don't choose yeah. throughout the whole season, are being put into a separate pile to maybe make a return later. I think you would get a lot of guys with folding laundry. You think so? I think a lot of a lot of guys' girlfriends do it for them, <laughs> like mine. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do. Like mine does, yeah. yeah maybe they can give a TED Talk on that. Could. They might not have any other option. That Probably be how it goes. I'll, I'll separate them. Yeah, no, that's fine. You can just leave them over there. But that is, welcome to my TED Talk, Austin Rushoff. You did a magnificent job. Thank you. And it allows me to bring us to another recurring segment we have here on the show. Smooth segue, smooth transition. Rush, what I do is I always have our previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. They do not know who they are asking this question to, so you can't get targeted with a headshot or anything like that. But I do say it can be about anything in the world. Go any sort of category. There are no rules. Ask away. What do you want to know from your teammate, but you don't know who that teammate is? Well, this is a uh, continued, what do we want to say, trend here on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast where riddles have become the, the soup du jour or soup of the season. The question is presented in the form of a riddle, and they want to see if they can stump you. Roosh. Are you prepared for me to pop the question? <laughs> yeah, I, as, as much as I can be. <laughs> as much as you can be. All right, this was the question that was left uh, for your episode. And it is it is a riddle. Okay. There's a one-story house in which everything is yellow. There are yellow walls, yellow doors, yellow furniture. So what color are the stairs? Let your brain think about it. Would you like me to read it again? One-story house, everything's yellow. Mm-hmm. Yellow walls, yellow doors, yellow furniture. Everything is yellow. What color are the stairs? They're yellow, right? I'm sorry, that no. is incorrect. I've heard I'm this sorry. one before. You too. have. And I you can't remember the answer. Have. I can't remember the answer. Well, the answer is no color because there aren't any. Oh, my God. It's a one-story house. That's, no stairs like, are gonna, inside to like, take I'm you up get, or down. I'm going to get tricked here. Yeah, that, that is the, the concept of the riddle, to fool you, to pull a All fast right, well, one on you. To, I'm going to have to leave one for your next person. Oh, I mean, I always say, it can be about anything in the world. doesn't have to be a riddle, but riddles have become the, uh, I guess you could say, a, a game. It's become like a mini uh. competition. And I will say, 
your previous the previous episode's guest, your teammate, was not fooled by the riddle that was left for them. So you could make the case that they are like two and zero right now I guess you in, could this, say in that, this competition. Yeah. Man, are you curious as to who left you that question? I'm gonna guess. Okay. I feel like I kind of remember who was your last host. I feel like it was Matt. Was it Matt? Was it Phil? It was Matt Philippe. Usually I trick people here too and encourage people if they want to know the previous episode's guests to visit the Wilkesbury Scranton and Penguins podcast archives, which are available on the team's website, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, as well as the team's page on SoundCloud. But no, you got it. It was Matt Philippe, a frequent competitor of yours, from what I understand, at the card table on the bus rides. Yes, it is. And now he got one over on you in the, I guess, now riddle portion of the Penguins That's podcast. That's fine. He can, he can have that one. I'll take the card games you'll, all day. You'll take the card games. I'll take the card games all day. You'll take his money. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Take his money. He can have he's his been, riddle. He's been better. But. That's what he said. He said like he had to learn at the start of the year. You actually hooked him up with the the app that that kind of taught yeah. him the rules so that he could make the necessary adjustments. Yeah, the only the only difference is there's only four on the app, and we play with you know six to seven guys. So the games are. Does that really throw a wrench into things? A little bit. It depends on how you make your calls. There's a lot lower number of calls. Like you might call just one or two. Okay. A seven game, but. In the app, you might call like six. Okay, just because it's a smaller it's field smaller that you're going game, up yeah. against. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, it's a developmental league, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Philippe's getting better at uh, seven up, seven down, and Austin Rushoff is improving at his public speaking <laughs> here. But um, yes, I am very much looking forward to see what question you come up with for our next episode's guest. Um, I already mentioned before, I'm pumped up for the All-Star break. Still a couple of games to get through here with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, you got uh, some playoff experience last year. I know some people, they're like, oh, it's too early to start talking about playoffs. It's never too early to start talking about playoffs. That's what we're here for, baby. We want to play in the important mm-hmm. games. You got a marathon season to get there in the first place. What was that like, suiting up with uh, the Milwaukee Admirals last season to get that taste of the most important games of the year to really get that taste of what hockey's all about and that is the postseason. Yeah. Those games are uh really fun. Um <laughs> it's it's totally a different feel. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. It's a lot their games are tight. Everyone's you know they they matter. You know, you lose a game in, in the regular season and you know it's like oh like let's let's fix some things. And you lose in playoffs it's you know, you're one game closer to having so your season. season's over. Yeah. Yeah. So that every game matters and um, we were lucky that we won two playoff series, both in game five. Yeah. So those games are intense. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's what it's all about, that's man. All that's all that's about. what you want. That's what you sign up for mm-hmm. when you want to play hockey. You want to play in those important games. And as much as this sport is so physical and so fast and even a random game, say, in the middle of January can have you biting your nails and your heart pumping out of your chest – it just completely shifts in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And I, I love how it happens every year. You go through the battle of a season to get to this spot, and now it just feels like it's a brand-new game. Yeah, it was, and it was a blast, too. You know, everyone's so tight in it together, and um, those wins are way more sweeter than a regulation, you know, regular season win. So. And like you said, the losses feel all that more important, and too. And they feel crappier than the regular season <laughs> losses, too. Yes, absolutely. So we are looking forward, hopefully, fingers crossed, to a run here for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the Calder Cup playoffs. But maybe I'm I'm speaking out of turn, but other people have remarked this to me lately. The games that the Penguins have been playing as of late kind of feel like they have a 
playoff-like atmosphere. That's almost become a little bit of a cliche just when you have a, a close game. Oh, this was a playoff-like mm-hmm. game or whatever. But whether it's Providence Bruins, the Hershey Bears, the Hartford Wolfpack, these teams that the Penguins are in direct competition with in the Atlantic Division standings, and every game except for one, the Penguins' first 12 in the new year were decided by one goal. Do you guys feel like it's uh, ratcheting up a little bit here now that we've turned the calendar to 2024? Does it feel like a playoff-like atmosphere? I'm not going to say a playoff atmosphere, but yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, like, uh, our whole month has been, besides this this game tomorrow. Um, yes, as is, of recording, we have not played the Toronto Marlies yet. Uh, this this game tomorrow is, is our first game non-conference. Oh, my all, God, yeah. since, uh, like, Christmas break. Mm-hmm. It was Hershey, Charlotte, Charlotte coming out of the, the Christmas break, and yeah. then all of January until that game against the Marlies. Yeah, so it's just playing guys in our division, you know, over and over again. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, too. Yeah, they're definitely um, – Playoff-type games, for sure. So it's all down to the wire, one-goal games, and every point is important. Gets and they over, get yeah. more, more and more important as the season goes on, too, with getting closer to playoffs. So everyone wants to get in that one and two spot where you get the buy. So those are those are huge. That buy is massive. Mm-hmm. Massive. Because the best of three is terrifying to me. Yeah. We were lucky last year that we got the bye, So and For Milwaukee? Yeah. So you jumped right to the best of five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when the Penguins made the playoffs two years ago, they had Hershey, naturally, in the first best of three, win the first game, shut out the Bears, and you're like, this rules, piece of cake. Hershey wins the next game, and now it's like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah. You win one, one game. game is it. And there are teams that don't even make it that far. They may have had a great regular season. They may have gone into the playoffs white hot. You have a two-game losing streak, which isn't even that long. Well, guess what? Your season's done. You're golfing now. Yeah, which is which is like how you say it too, because we were last year we played Manitoba and we we won the first game like seven to three. It's like oh yeah, and great, we're like yeah. oh like this is gonna be a cakewalk, and then they beat us in OT, went back to Milwaukee, and then they beat us in OT again. If it was a best of three series, we're done. Yeah, you're done. But then we with you know, overtime win. too. Yeah, yeah. And, then we and there's no like, oh well, we got a point. It's like, no, you are going home. You lost the game. Yeah, and then we won game four and five, where you know, because we got the bye. Yeah, we were able to be forced enough to win in game five, win in five games. Hopefully, your playoff experience comes in very handy for this Penguins team. Not only if they do qualify for the Calder Cup playoffs and go on that run that they're hoping for, but as these. Intense games become uh, all the more uh, important here down the stretch here as well. Hope you're able to enjoy your All-Star break, get a little relaxation there before things really, the burners turn on high here in the stretch run here for Wilkes-Barre Scranton. But before I let you completely off the hook here, Roosh, there's one more thing we have to do here on the Penguins podcast. This is another recurring segment, how we've ended every episode for the past eight seasons. There's a little something called... Penn's Picks. Penn's Picks. Roosh, it is at this time in every episode where I ask our guests to give a recommendation to the fans. And this is one of those other potpourri categories where it can be anything in the world. Something that you're really into lately. I know food, television, like these are kind of popular picks for some guys. But you can go down any avenue, any boulevard, any river that your soul swims you down, what is your Penn's pick? Hmm. Like it'd be a restaurant? To, like yeah, a, yeah. Like we, we take nothing off the table. Whatever you want to recommend to the fans. Have I gone to a restaurant? I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about restaurants I've been to. I mm-hmm. think that's 
Oh, I got one. All right. Yeah. All right. What's your Penn's pick, sir? Um, me and my girlfriend, actually, uh, right at the beginning of the year, went to a restaurant called Fire and Ice. Oh, um, yes. I can't remember. I think it's over it's, by it's, Dallas. It's on the way to Dallas. Yeah. Like, you just get off the Crossville. You pass the, the uh-huh. Trucksville. Yeah. Uh, not really exit, just street to go off towards Pizza Perfect. Mm-hmm. It's right there past the street. Yeah, it's like right off the service road. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious. And they also have, in the summer, looks like a gorgeous like outdoor patio, too. They have so much outdoor seating. So they were one of those restaurants that was fitted for outdoor seating yeah. before the pandemic. But mm-hmm. then when everything shut down yeah. and, hey, we, if you want to have people dine in, they still have to like dine out in little bubbles and pods and stuff. They really expanded that, that space out there so that they could maximize the amount of people they could serve during uh, the dark times, the quarantine times. And now in the summer, now that you're not isolated to an igloo or have to sit three tables away from the next guests or whatever, it, uh, like you said, it's a very cool um, outdoor dining experience come the summer. Right yeah. now you're probably going to yeah. want to sit inside. We went there and I was like, oh, it's a little cold. but a little cold. It, inside is really nice too. And it's kind of got like the perfect uh, – you know, not super fine dining, but, you know, there's still, like, TVs and a bar where you yeah. can sit and watch a football game. Or Speaking of football games, uh, you mentioned the Super Bowl before. With this podcast coming out before the big game. Who do you got? I got the Chiefs. You got the Chiefs? I'm from Missouri. Oh, doy. Yeah. Um, I'm f- foolish me. You yeah. grew up a big Chiefs fan? Or were you uh, a Rams no. guy? And they we, had were, to... we were Rams fans. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Until they left. I until guess. they left. And I know there are some St. Saint Louisans, St. Louisans. Missourians, what is I, it? I don't even know what you call them. <laughs> San, San Diegans. San, Diegans. San Diegans. Um, Some of them, whenever the Rams went to L.A. and were hot right off the, the gate there, went to one Super Bowl, uh, then Matt Stafford won it for them a couple mm-hmm. years later. Some fans followed them. They're like, well, that's my team, that's my helmet, yada, yada. And then other people hate the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Rams. I'm one of those people. And it's easy to, to jump to the Kansas City Chiefs considering – they're okay, I guess. Yeah, uh, when they when the Rams left too, they were like okay, kind of before the they were they o- still had Alex okay Smith. club. They were on the or the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs were, still had yeah. Alex Smith, and Mahomes was kind of his backup. Yeah, so no one really knew. And then yeah, the Rams left, and the owner was like, St. Louis isn't a sports city. And... Huge, huge jerk. I think yeah. you can say that. I can go on the record and say it. Mm-hmm. Jerk boy owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wanted to go to L.A. Said it wasn't a sports city, but goes to L.A. So, I don't know. <laughs> Very famous sports yeah, city. Doesn't. So it was whatever. And then, yeah, some people follow him. I'm not one of those people. And then the Rams were in the NFC. Chiefs were in the AFC, so they never played. There wasn't really a rivalry. And where I'm from, yeah, it's Kansas City. It's only like hour and a half. Short distance hour away. Hour and a half away. Short distance yeah. away. Like nothing. Because Wentzville is not really St. Louis area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, an hour from St. Louis. An hour from St. Louis? North, yeah. south, east, west? You'll west. Have to directly me from... west. So, yeah, so you really are closer to, to Kansas City then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, St. Louis is... No, not closer. I shouldn't say closer to the city. I mean, like, it's not like you're on the Fan other base. side of St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. That's yeah. East St. Louis. That's not. No. That's not the that's good not spot. That's not where you're from? No. That's, <laughs> that's not the good spot. Okay. Understood. Understood. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. Preseason Super Bowl pick was Niners versus Chiefs. Wow. So, you know, I'm maybe a genius. I don't know. But, you know, just throwing that out there. Not to pat myself I on the back. In, I had Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but. Who, Obviously, who, who did you have from the NFC? I was thinking Dallas was going to be there. Come on, you know, better know. Than that. not to go Stephen A. Smith on me, you, but come on, they always find a way. Me and Estrosa and Hedrick had. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. Mm, that hurt. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. We also had the Ravens too, and they were playing the Chiefs. So I'm like, crap. What do I do here? What do I do? 
Yeah. And you're referring to the uh, player pool. The team, the Penguins, will split off into groups, teams within the team, and basically do a auction draft of mm -hmm. every team that makes the NFL playoffs. Yeah, and you did a really good job doing being the auctioneer. I am the auctioneer, and I did that last year. They gave me no planning ahead of time. It was like we were on the bus. We were, I thought you had no planning this time. Well, this time, Groods mentioned it to me like the day before. Like, mm -hmm. hey, do you want to do that again? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, totally. That's way more than I had last time, and I at least knew the rules yeah, th this time it. around. Whereas last year, we were on the bus to Newark. We were flying to Charlotte. And I can't remember who it was. Someone came up to me and was like, hey, we're doing this NFL auction. You want to be the auctioneer? I was like, yeah, sure. What does that mean? And, like, I'm up there just like, all right, Kansas City. People are submitting the, the bids or whatever they have. And then there's a tie. And they're like, oh, it's an auction. I'm like, what does that mean? What, what do I, what, what do, what's I do now? What, what do I do now? So I was learning on the fly last year. This year I was ready to go. Yeah, nice and smooth, too. Smooth, Smooth baby. and then got us right into our card game. Right into the card game. Easy transition there, and not so easy transition for me to go back to Penn's Picks. I want to throw one in there right here at the very end, Roosh, and that is if you live in a municipality, a borough that does a great job of clearing the roads, prepping the roads for winter weather. We're in that time of year now. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple of snowfalls. And I'm not going to name any names, but there are certain uh, neighborhoods in this area that won't plow anything until it's done snowing. They're like, ah, we'll get to it later. And then there are other neighborhoods where you could drive no problem. Doesn't matter if there was a, a little bit of sleet or if there were five inches, six inches that fell overnight. You're going to get to work no problem. I don't want to name any names, right? Don't want to call anybody out here, but I think this could go for... A lot of people in a lot of different places in the world that are affected by winter weather. If you have a borough, a municipality, just a, a neighborhood township that is doing the right things to make sure everyone can continue to like live normally and not have to mm -hmm. white-knuckle their way on a five-minute drive to work or doesn't have to work from home just because there was an inch of snow, shout-out to the people that are doing it right. Yeah, yeah. I would say my neighborhood is pretty good at that, too. I'm glad for you because it gets a little hairy in a couple of different places oh, yeah, where like an easy, what you would think would be a routine snowfall suddenly turns into the apocalypse mm -hmm. or it's like the mist from Stephen King. You go to the grocery store and then it snows a little bit and you're like, well, it looks like we're all trapped here in the grocery yeah, store now because there was a half inch of snow. Yeah. So shout out to the people that are doing that right. Uh, you know who you are who are doing it right, and you probably know who you are if you're doing it wrong. So get get your head in the game, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, Austin Rushoff and the Penguins are going to have their head in the games here through the stretch run, trying to end on a high note here before the All-Star break and come out shot out of a cannon whenever they return from that brief break. And we'll be back with another episode of the Penguins podcast after that All-Star break as well. But as we sign off here, Roosh, uh, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to chat with us here. It's been a pleasure been great having you on here do you have any uh social media handles for people to follow you should you wish to be followed um yeah i guess i got i got an instagram it's it's got at, the gram at underscore roosh 16 how do you spell roosh r-u-e-s-c-h yes only, i only put one h only one h in the yeah. abbreviated I have two, two in my name but one in the abbreviation one in the abbreviation so yes Check him out on the gram, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you're checking out Austin Rushoff and the rest of the Penguins here the rest of this regular season. The games have been an absolute blast lately. The crowd for Crosscheck Cancer Night last Saturday that was, was awesome. Dude, that was great. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. We're expecting more crowds like that throughout the rest of the season, so do not delay. Pick up your tickets while you still can. We're back home February 17th, so 
plenty of time for you to secure your seats for any of the Penguins' remaining home games this season. Once again, Roosh, thanks so much. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. And thanks for listening to me as well. We will bid you adieu and talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.